Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the next installment of the Rocky Mountain Myrick Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hofberg, and we are tuning in today from the VA DOD Suicide Prevention Conference here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I am joined today by Luana Ojala, and she is with Caring Bridge. And uh, we're going to learn a bit about her organization and what they are all about. So, welcome, Luana. Thank you so much, Adam. I appreciate you having me here. Excellent. So, let's uh, just jump right in with a little bit about yourself and how you came to this spot. Okay. Uh, well, we are a public-private partner of the VA, and so we're invited to talk a little bit about our partnership with them. But I'm, back, I'm going to back up a little bit and tell you what CaringBridge is, so I know some of the audience doesn't know what we are. Um, we are a global social network entirely focused on health, and we've been around for about 22 years. We actually have a very cool origin story, which I'll share briefly. Uh, Sana Maring, our founder, in 1997... She was a software engineer, and she was the friend of Joanne and Darren Hardiger, and they were pregnant. They were having a baby um, named Bridget, and unfortunately, Bridget was born premature and was not going to make it. So Joanne and Darren went to the hospital in St. Paul, and they asked their friend, Sana, to please call their friends and family to let them know that they were going to the hospital, and it was going to be a very rough road for the next week or so. And Sana went home. She tried to make a couple of phone calls and said, well, this is just way too hard. So with her background as a software engineer, she decided to create a website, mm. which, Adam, back in 1997, do you know what technology you were using? <laughs> the dial-up modem. <laughs> right. and the... So 97 for folks is pre-Google, pre-any social network that you're using today, pre-pervasive use of email, no mobile, you know, really no mobile phones that people were using on a ubiquitous basis. And what happened as a result of her creating that website, which she called Caring for Bridget, was the baby's uh, name. Okay. Um, we, she found that when they went to the memorial service nine days later, there was this connectivity and connection with the community because everybody knew the story, was able to give their love and support for this family, and out of that story came Caring Bridge. And so we, we consider ourselves Baby Bridget's legacy. And we've been completely focused on health for the last 22 years. Wonderful. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Thank I'm, you. You know, it's sad that it had to come out of that tragedy, but it's so amazing to see that being channeled in such a positive way. Yeah. And, Adam, what it's become is quite incredible. So this year alone, we'll uh, have 31 million people come to a Caring Bridge site. It's about 300,000 people today. And every eight minutes, a Caring Bridge site is created by somebody who needs the support of their community um, during a health journey. So it's what's happened to the service over these 22 years is pretty incredible as we continue to thrive. And forgot to mention this, which is very important, that has happened as a result of the generosity of our donors because we're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes us quite unique over other social networks is that we are do not sell ads. We do not sell data. We honor your privacy, and um, we think that we are a better um, network to share something as special as what's going on in your health. Absolutely. It's something very personal to yourself. You'd want to feel feel that connection exactly. and safety. And lots of studies on the importance of connection and social support on helping you heal and helping you have a better health outcome as well. So just to bring it a little bit more um, detailed, what, what, was it, what would a typical page look like? 
or what would be on a typical page? Well, frankly, we leave that to our authors on how they want to use their site. So let me back up and say, first of all, there's not that many things that you need to do to start a CaringBridge site. It's a very simple process, uh, just a few steps. You know, we, we need your email, we need your name, and you can call the site what you'd like, you can customize photos. Um, and then f- the most important thing people do is sort of give a summary of why you're using CaringBridge. So I need connectivity because I'm um, helping with my aging parent. Um, I am going through... a uh, acute injury, and I will need help the next three months for a specific thing. Um, We also have people who use it for chronic conditions, so they'll say things like, I'm going to be going through this journey in the next few years, and I want to educate and update people on what's happening, and, you know, I need your help. Um, And it goes from there. So people really make the choices not only on the privacy setting, but also how much they want to share on the site. Very good. Thank you. I I love that we keep touching on this idea of a journey and, Mm -hmm. you know, and health and dealing with health conditions is a journey. And also this whole journey of creating this resource and this tool for folks. So how did your journey with CaringBridge begin? Oh, thanks for asking. So I grew up, well, first I'm a Jersey girl that went to Minnesota and now I've lived longer in Minnesota than I have in Jersey. But I came out of um, law school and worked in mergers and acquisitions and then went to the business side, worked in digital commerce for about 15 years. Um, I'd never run a nonprofit before, but what I was very interested in uh, when I left my last for-profit job was the healthcare digital industry. So a lot of tools being built in health, a lot of it driven by either healthcare networks or venture capitalists. Um, working on tools in health digital, but a lot of those tools are not ubiquitous, meaning that if I live in California and I'm in one healthcare system and then my spouse moves and now I'm in Maryland going to a different system, some of those tools don't necessarily follow. So this was five years ago, and then I happened to be approached for the COO position at CaringBridge, which was the succession plan for our founder who had been doing it at that point for about 17 years. And it was, was an interesting challenge to me was how do you take this wonderful thing that's been created in digital and how do you touch more and more people, not just on the traditional health states for which we have helped um, family and friends, um, premature birth, which was our origin, cancer, which um, many, many people use our service for cancer, but how do you bring this to other health conditions because you also need community connectedness and the social support and health for those conditions, which frankly is what led us to um, reach out to the VA mm. and understand, understanding that veterans have a high incidence of certain kinds of health conditions. Um, we wanted to expose our service that's free to people in that moment of need who are experiencing those conditions that really need the help of not only peers, which we know there's a lot of peer-to-peer support for veterans, but how do you also engage the larger community to bring them into the fold and, and hopefully reduce the stigma of some of these conditions as well? Excellent. That's a great transition mm-hmm. here. So talk to us a little bit about how the VA partnership developed, and, and you already mentioned a little bit why, but uh, how did it how take did it form? And, yeah. yeah. So we have a um, psychologist on our, on our board of directors, Dr. Sharon Berry, and she and I were talking about this hypothesis that if you could bring community, uh, the community into the fold in some of these conditions, that it will do a lot to you know, reduce stigma and also allow them to help in ways that are actually helpful to that, to that patient and, frankly, caregiver. 
Um, and maybe we'll get back to this later, but 65% of our users are actually caregivers. So we care very deeply about them as well. And Sharon connected us to Amy Johnson who, at the Office of Suicide Prevention, who is um, leading some of the work on the VA's private-public partnerships. And so from there, Amy was, was such an advocate for us within the VA, um, got to better understand what we do, and we started a pilot in 2018 in five cities um, at different VAs to better understand if you expose Caring Bridge to veterans and their caregivers while they're in the clinical care setting, um, what will happen? Will they use the service? And additionally, one of the other goals that they saw was how do you also reach veterans and people serving in the military outside of the clinical care setting? So you want to reach as many people um, all over the world as, as, and provide them a service, and we do that. So that's why we thought it was very important that we work together on this. And then, of course, our vision for CaringBridge was very aligned to what um, the VA was doing as well. So our vision is to ensure no one goes through a health journey alone. Mm -hmm. And, of course, people in the military are away from the communities that they have before they serve um, and are all over the world. And so it just made a lot of sense that we work together on this. You know, you talked about the many ways that communities can help support someone on their health journey. Could you dive into that a little bit more? Like, what are yeah. some innovative approaches here? Well, I will say that one of the main reasons I came to CaringBridge, um, you know, with my background in law and then digital commerce, you know, for some it might, hmm, that doesn't make sense. But candidly, what I was so excited about is this idea of how do you fundamentally change the community's behavior around helping people on a health journey? Because there's a lot of tools to help the patient. There's a lot of tools, you know, the clinical care setting. Um, they do the, the best work that they can to try to serve them in the clinical care. And if you think of the four components that actually help um, drive different outcomes for population health, there's the clinical care setting. There's your ability to change your health behaviors. There's the environment that you're in. And then there's also social support. Well, that research that goes back to 2002 from the Robert Wood Johnson University of Wisconsin Health Institute says that social support is actually the most important of those four in helping determine your what your health outcome might be. Mm -hmm. um, and there's not a lot of people working on that. If you think about CaringBridge working on social support, sure, there's other networks, but none of them are necessarily entirely focused on health. And Boy, what we could be is if we focused as a as a you know healthcare ecosystem on social support and getting the community involved to shift their behavior to help both the patient and caregiver, and that was the compelling opportunity that I saw with CaringBridge with my, you know, um, with how do you bring the best of what's happening in the for-profit digital world to a nonprofit to propel it and make sure that more and more people are served. Um, but specifically what I mean is uh, I'll use our relationship with GoFundMe as an example. You know, one of the most important things people need is to pay for the medical expenses. And we don't do that, so why would we go create something like that when the thing GoFundMe already exists in the world? And mm -hmm. they've been a terrific partner of ours. And so we try to make sure that when people come to CaringBridge, they understand that if they want to use GoFundMe or another service like GoFundMe, they can link that to their CaringBridge site so their community can see that that is a need they have. Um, you know, our goal for the future is to have more partnerships like that. Um, and we're working very actively on that right now. So, um, Many of you could probably guess that people need a lot of the same things um, from their community. Um, 
you know, and it doesn't have to be a product. It could just be, I need you to think of me at this time. I need you to pray for me. I mm. need you to sit with me. You know, um, wouldn't it be nice to know if someone, you know, needed a specific thing and you had the ability to provide that at that moment? Um, and you could see that on your mobile device very quickly and sign up for it and say, I'll be there. Um, those are the kinds of things that we are envisioning for the future and are really excited to bring to our um to not only our existing users, but for other people who don't know us quite yet. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so wonderful to see this partnership flourish. And, yeah. And thank you, Amy, for, for helping She's facilitate terrific. that. Yeah, and, and actually the official uh, memorandum of agreement was signed in December of 2018. And so we've been working this year on how do we um, integrate some of our findings and learnings from that pilot into the into the larger VA, which is why I'm so excited to be at this conference and meet other people to learn about opportunities about how we can help help them with some of what they're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. So let's take that detour to the caregiver thing, because I think that's a really important piece, and I don't want to just, you know, kind of mm-hmm. brush over it. So talk to us about, you know, the caregiver's role in this service and, and why they're so important. Well, you know, there's 40, uh, the last time I looked at the the statistic, and I think this is already old, about 45 million caregivers in this country. And because of the sandwich generation taking care of both their children as well as their aging parents, there's a lot of pressure, which leads to a lot of stress, anxiety, loneliness in that role. We say Caring Bridge, this is a role that nobody applies for, but most people get Mm -hmm. in in their life journey. And we discovered that, you know, it's always been fairly high, but 65% of people who are on CaringBridge are creating a site because they're caring for someone else. And, you know, I have used this analogy before that the caregiver is often the, you know, certainly the invisible person in the medical office when they're, they're talking directly to the patient. And then, of course, the caregiver has to go home and remember everything, execute on everything and all of those things. So, it's really a tough it's a tough journey for the caregiver and we don't want to forget about them too mm-hmm. and when we say that we want a world where no one goes through a health journey alone we don't just mean the patient we need that we mean that caregiver as well and we need their community as well um, and very much a driver for what we're trying to accomplish at CaringBridge long term that just that the community has a very vital role in helping this person person navigate a very vulnerable time in their life so you mentioned a bit about how veterans uh, face some unique issues. Uh, what what sorts of uh, sites are you seeing set up on the veteran side? Well, so what what I will start by saying in answering that question is we don't monitor sites. So that's that's an important question that I've gotten here at the conference. So there are many great people do, doing the work of using digital tools to monitor what's happening so that they can be a resource to them in that moment and really applaud that work. We don't have expertise in that area, but what we did get from this VA partnership is terrific guidance from the VA and training our terrific, wonderful, loving customer care folks who have been trained on the, the, the signs if a veteran does call on what to do. Of course, we recommend the veterans crisis um, line, which, you know, I am so impressed by the work that they do. So we want to leverage the tools that the VA has, not replicate things that are already so useful to these veterans. So one, we don't monitor. Second, that also means that we let them decide what they want to talk about. Um, yes, there are higher incidents of things like mental illness and alcoholism and suicide, but Whatever they want to discuss, you know, they may be there because they broke their leg or they're having an issue with some other completely other con- 
condition, and that's just great. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want to use it for that to connect to their community, that's wonderful. I will share an example that's very on point for this conference, however. There's a, a, a person who served in the military, lives in um, Wisconsin. His name is Kevin Amundsen, and he has used it, the site, because he is using it as a way to educate others about um, his experience. He has attempted suicide and has gone back to the place to really um, find healing and getting through that process of story, storytelling and the narrative of what he's experienced. And his goal now is to be a spokesperson for helping other people who have served in the military. And that is a wonderful use of our service, just not only for him personally and his family and community, but for the larger community so that we can educate others about what's happening. And it's not coming from Caring Bridge. It's coming from these people who have really lived that experience and can, and can share that experience in a unique way. So I always say that Caring Bridge is not about us. It's about the people that use our service. And if they want to be a advocate for whatever health condition it is um, and and bring their community closer together, then that's terrific. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You mentioned that you all take the privacy and the data that you sort of um, need to set up the site very, very seriously. Is there a research piece of this, and what is the research journey? Yeah, thank you. It's, it's a very new journey for us. So just want to repeat that we don't sell ads, we don't sell data. Our user and uh, user policy and our privacy, privacy policy does allow us to use um, de-identified data, meaning we're not sharing your email or anything personal about you, just to better understand what's happening in these journals. And it's a very unique data set because we've been around for 22 years. The data set is largely user-generated content that has not had a lot of interventions um, So, meaning, you know, we're not serving up ads. We're not telling you you should do specific things. It's really completely about health as well. So what we don't have the expertise in is is academic research. So we approached the University of Minnesota, and we've been working with them on a multidisciplinary research collaborative, which has been a really fascinating journey. So just a few years we've been working on that. The Center for Spirituality of Healing the uh, College of Nursing, as well as the Computer Science and Engineering. And each of them are using different techniques to better understand um, how do we prioritize product capabilities, you know, where do we have a lower percentage of people using it for specific health states, um, really fascinating things we're learning about what kind of help is useful to people, which is helping us for a longer-term vision of solving the lasagna problem. And you're smiling when I say that, because it seems like you know what that means. I've heard it, but give us the, give us, what so, is the lasagna problem? The lasagna problem is when, when someone is sick, everyone seems to do the same thing, and the, the same thing, like lasagna, is not always helpful. Uh-huh. So if you're in the Midwest, maybe you'd say it's the hot dish problem. But um, I, I think what we need to do is help people when they do the very hard thing of asking for help in a way that's connected to the kind of help that they need. In order to build capabilities around that, which we are doing now, we wanted to make sure we prioritize the right thing. So it's very much research-based on what people have said in the journals that they say they either need this or want this. And so we're being very careful with our resources um, to make sure that we're creating something that's useful to to the people using our service. So you talked about your research journey a little bit, and I just wanted to know, you know, um, 
are you going to expand that, or are you looking for new partners, or how is that going to play out? You know, we, we are careful about, first of all, it's very important to us that we keep research de-identified and respect our privacy policy. We will do that. But there's some research questions that we don't have the capacity with our current resources and or, or expertise to do on our own. So one example of that was the University of Minnesota um, research collaborative that I mentioned. We're also doing research with a um, researcher from Mayo Clinic, which completely different kind of research topic. And so if you're a researcher listening and you're interested in a specific thing based on how I've described the data set, then reach out to us. Let us know. We have a committee um, that includes our board members and our leadership team and, and me, of course, but bet to better understand, is this a question that will actually further enhance our service, um, make us a better platform, and really meet the needs of people who use um, CaringBridge and in health journeys. So if there's a research question that you have that you want to explore, you know, reach out to us and let us know. Um, you know, you can call customer care and, and just get connected with us. Awesome. That's yeah. so great. And I, I keep just coming back to the beginning about how this was formed and, and, the, and also the name of it. It's just mm-hmm. so, it, you basically are, it's very clear what you're trying to do. Yeah. And, and you know, we're only about health. So in the world of social networks where there, and media, frankly, where there is a lot of clutter for getting away from the thing that's most critical and important, we want to we want to stay the way we are. You know, we still feel that we are 22 years later, a digital technology for good in the social network space, and um, you know, by sheer first the beauty of what we do and the pureness of it has really allowed us that longevity. In addition to, of course, our donors who have said, "Yeah, this is valuable, and we're going to continue to support it." Just another number to throw at you, Adam. Here is. We're um, probably going to have about 140,000 people say that that is a good thing in the world of social networks and make a donation to us this year. Wow. And I'm very grateful for that. But So we're unique in the healthcare space. We're unique in the nonprofit space. But we're also, um, you know, this idea that we're sort of for the people, of the people, is, is a source of pride for our team of 48 people mm-hmm. relative to our social network counterpart facebook i think the last time i checked they had twenty three thousand employees so we have a we're very proud of the work that we're doing and keeping it all about the patient the caregiver and their community yeah i love that thank you thank you for, for what you all are doing yeah. um so what's your vision for the future where do you see this going i mean like you said you want to stay true to your roots and it sounds like you yes. know you're filling this important role mm-hmm. but what's the future looking like well first of all we want to serve as many people as possible so um I just encourage listeners that it doesn't have to be something that's any kind of health journey. You, we, you are welcome at the table. So, um, And you might not need it right now, but the number one thing we could get your help with is if you know someone who might need our service, to please tell them about it. So we're at caringbridge.org. And um, so that, that's, that's what we really need from people. What's, what are we doing for the future? You know, I'll talk a little bit about, more about this idea of help and giving help. It's really hard to ask for help when you need it, and you know, that's been reinforced at this conference many times. It's really difficult to ask for help, especially when you feel like you're alone. But I will say, working at CaringBridge now five years, there are so many people who are experiencing what you're experiencing, and there are so many people who do care, and it just takes you know, saying, uh, you know, I need, I need you. 
And once you do that, what I have found is the power of the community to come back and respond in such meaningful ways is, has been, is wonderful. So we want to bring more of that magic to people's lives. And this idea of creating a hub where people can ask for help and that people can respond in, in specific ways that are helpful is what we're doing. I haven't mentioned the role of um, spirituality in this yet, um, in our conversation here, but I know that that is a, one of the themes that's happening in this conference is the role of spirituality in prayer. But people do consider Caring Bridge a part of their ministry. Mm. And so that's an example of the kind of help that the community can provide. It's just one. There's many needs in a health journey. There's medical needs. There's um, advice. There's um, rides. There's food. And so we are creating something that will allow people to do that in a very simple way. Um, and so we're very excited about the future of those opportunities in partnership as well as making the digital experience very, very simple to use. Mm. That's that's great. I'm so glad I was able to meet you and mm-hmm. hear about this site. And that's I, I definitely encourage well. uh, our listeners to check it out. Can you remind us again how to find you all? We're at uh, www.caringbridge.org. And uh, if you have any questions, please reach out to us by chat, email. You can call a live person in Minnesota to speak to if you need any help. And again, I want to say thank you to the VA for the partnership. And thank you, Adam, for having me here today. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, that's really helpful. And um, just thinking about, um, I understand there's a resource section of the website. Oh, yeah. Um, what does that look like? Thank you. It's, it's actually new at CaringBridge in the last few years, and our team who is so awesome, has done a terrific job on curating um, content. So they do it in three different ways. One is we have a fabulous writer um, who basically will look in the areas of caregiving and healing to better expose um, our audience to very helpful things around those topics. Um, Secondly, we actually ask our users to say, hey, do you have some helpful tips that you want to share? Because you're the one who's been through the journey we may not have at Caring Bridge, although many of our employees have been through those journeys. Um, do you want to share what you've learned so that other people don't have to reinvent the wheel? And we'll share some of those stories, and that's been very helpful. So don't think of it as medical advice. It's more helpful tips, mm-hmm. things like how can you be helpful to a caregiver or how do you talk to somebody about this difficult healthcare topic or what are some great gift ideas of things that you can you can do even if not asked Um that will be really helpful to this family. Um, so that kind of, and then of course, other people create great content and we'll sometimes ask them if permission to expose some of their content. Sometimes that's from a healthcare network. Sometimes it's from a specific health condition, um, organization, um, for profit or nonprofit. So we try to expose things that are only super helpful to people in that section. Yeah. That's, that's really practical. And, yes. and like you said, you know, we don't need to reinvent this stuff. You know, uh, people have, have this lived experience and this expertise, and let's share it with others right. and build on that. And going back to what I said earlier about the four um, determinants of health outcomes, you know, whether it's the clinical care setting, lots of people working on that, your your ability to adjust your own behavior. Well, you know, you need social support to do that, but that's kind of on you. Like, mm-hmm. you have to, with help from your care team, and then your environment, you know, there's not much we can do that at Caring Bridge. We can do a lot to help you with social support. And so that is really what we're very focused on. Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, that's going to wrap it up. And thank you, Luana, for taking time to 
speak with us today. Um, we'll include all these uh, links in the in the in the podcast notes, so you can absolutely kind of dive in deeper for those of you interested. And uh, thank you again. Thank you. All right. Good night, folks. Thanks for joining us today on the Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. The podcast is made possible by the generous support of the Rocky Mountain MIREC for veteran suicide prevention out of the Rocky Mountain Regional VA Medical Center in Colorado. Be sure to visit our website at www.myrec.va.gov slash vision19. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, head over to your favorite podcasting app to subscribe and give us a rating. And spread the word. Tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every other Tuesday for new episodes. Our mission is to end veteran and all suicide. And when you listen to our show, you see the possibilities. 